Well, welcome all to VG Emporium, video game music and more. I hope you all had a uh, fun and interesting Halloween last week. And as I understand it, things got pretty interesting here last week with uh, Vricent and Laurel, the two curators that happen to live down in the basement of VG Emporium. Their choice, not mine. That one's a long story that I don't think we have the time or that we really should get into. I'm actually uh, of the mind to possibly even just kick them out because they apparently brought that weird creature thing Gadrelf back from the dead, fortunately just as a ghost, but it appears that he doesn't hold any malice towards Mumbachwamba or I, just more obsessed with Garfield and Lasagna, so he just went off and did his thing, so eh, they're going to stay down there. I don't even think I can really kick him out if I wanted to. So now, to the topic of today, as you may have seen on the title, is beatboxing and VGM. Or more particularly, VGM that I happen to like beatboxing every once in a while. And these are the ones I'm going to share with you, are the ones that I do the most often. So, for as long as I can remember, um, I was always just making weird noises, just like a little kid. And then eventually when I discovered video games and started playing them, I started imitating the sounds I heard in that. And then, you know, go fast forward a few years to high school and I started to kind of actually imitating the more percussive sounds I'd heard in the video game music as well as um, discovering drum and bass and electronic music. And that just kind of unlocked something in my brain to where I started actually just making like rhythmic sounds and everything and actually incorporating melodies into it uh, with some help of uh, a couple remixes off of o Overlooked Remix by Tom Appella where he just did nothing but acapella but they were multiple acapella tracks as opposed to just one thing and my brain just figured out I'll just do everything all at once no software required basically for the last let's see 15 years plus um, I've been doing this and for a good 10 years I was doing it hosting at an open mic so I'd just a lot slot myself in for 10 minutes and just do something like a cover and then just like improv right off the top of my head so that kind of really honed in what I was able to do but I never really pushed myself forward to like you know become part of like a beatboxing community or anything because I don't know I just you know it, it was a cool idea it's just I don't care for the vibe it gave off just really too uh bro-ish so I just mostly kept it to myself and my friends and people who were there at open mics and stuff and uh recently you know like within the past few years I've started to kind of really post my uh myself doing it out there as an example this last week for each day after the release of um the Halloween episode I have been I actually posted a video of myself beatboxing each song that I'm going to be playing for you today starting off with Investigation Opening 2001 from Phoenix Wright Ace Attorney known in Japan as Gyakuten Saiban composed by Masakazu Sugimori and arranged by Naoto Tanaka under the alias Akemi Kimura and this one actually came up uh, in episode 39 an explicably cute sound which in which I had my friend Wade on as a guest and we actually like you know doodled and beatboxed this together on there. Uh, not exactly beatbox, more just kind of like doodled it. But yeah, no, this is a song, one of those songs that like when we get together, this one inevitably comes up. And uh, I played this game via emulator because I never owned a DS. And the music in the game, you know, in Phoenix Wright is just, uh, I don't know, just really, really charming and addicting to my brain. Especially this track. It just kind of, just like it got in there, it stuck, and it's just one of those ones where I'm, if I'm walking around or something, It'll start playing in my head, and then I'll just start kind of just beatboxing it to myself. Because then it's really easy because it's just like so syncopated. It's just like, oh, and, oh, I'd like to point this out. Take a listen. It's maybe a touch easy to miss, but it's like this kind of trailing distortion from like that chime sound. And it's like kind of like a... 
and it's just that little artifact that kind of just makes it into every um, every time I beat boxes to myself or I'm doing with Wade or something. It just kind of that little artifact comes out. It's like it's always the strange little things that stick out to me. So now the Phoenix Wright games. Uh, the first game came out in 2001 on the Game Boy Advance, only in Japan as a Gaikoten Saiban, and then got released in like 2004 on the DS in English. And um, basically, how it goes is it's a uh, graph a graphical adventure game. So instead of moving your character around on a screen and investigating things, you're just looking at a static image like screen. So showing you a scene or area, and then you're just pointing, clicking on things to investigate, getting it, collecting evidence to then go to the cases, which is the main point of the game to prove your client innocent of the accusations saying like, you know, they murdered this person. They did this thing. And it's just, uh, just ridiculous and really nice, really nice sprite work on like the big old characters and stuff. And this series has spun off multiple games, all the way and all the way up to even having a game where you play as your main uh, rival antagonist, rival something, uh, Miles Edge Edgeworth, where you basically do actually control the character moving around, and it is like a point-and-click adventure. Now let me tell you about the composers here, starting off with Masakazu Sugimori. He was the original composer for the Game Boy Advance version in 2001, but he actually got his start at Capcom being a program check for the game Breath of Fire 4. And then uh, Gaikoten Saiban being his first musical credit. And then he would go on to do the music for uh, Beautiful Joe. Would compose new music for the DS version of Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, or Gaikoten Saiban. For all the cases in the game. And then uh, Ghost Trick, Phantom Detective, Professor Layton versus Ace Attorney. And then his latest credit being Murder by Numbers in 2020. And now Naoto Tanaka under the alias Akemi Kimura um, got started doing arrangements for... Rockman and Complete Works, where he arranged the music for the original Mega Man games, so more particularly Mega Man 4, 5, and 6 on the PS1. Did sound for Mega Man X5 and 6, would go on to do, uh, you know, arrangements for this game, Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney, um, and then would go on to do many various other Phoenix Wright, Ace Attorney games. Uh, would go on to be the music director for the Metal Gear Rising Revengeance, music arrangement for The Legend of Korra, and additional composition for Bayonetta 2. So enough of my jibber-jabber. Let's get on to the next track here. And it's another Capcom goodie, Stone Man from Mega Man 5, composed by Mari Yamaguchi. Stone Man from Mega Man 5, composed by Mari Yamaguchi. 
and this is gonna sound odd, but hey, I'm an odd one. Um, this, alongside Mega Man 4 soundtrack, is probably my favorite music from the uh, NES Mega Man series, so you know, one through six. Probably part of the reasoning behind that being that Mega Man 4 was my first Mega Man, and Mega Man 5 was probably the one I spent the most time with. For you see, I was born on the same day, in the same year, that the original Mega Man had released on the Famicom in Japan. So, you know, by the time I was old enough to actually be able to start playing video games, you know, uh, you know, 4 and 5 are the ones that had been out, and those are the ones I got to play. Mega Man 2, I only got to see played once at somebody's house, and, uh, you know, never got to see it again until later years, and then Mega Man 1, never actually got to play it until I emulated it, like, years later, you know, high school. Same with 6. And I can understand why people don't really care for these two, because, you know, Mega Man 2 was, like, what, like, you know, big improvement over the first one, and it's like, you know, almost like a perfect game, and then Mega Man 3 comes along, and it's just even more, more so, like, you know, and they're both, like, musically just really awesome, and then, you know, 4 comes along and adds the charge shot, and doesn't really do much different, and then 5 is just kind of like, you know, is. But, um, you know, the way to look at it is that 5, you know, like, the team had really got a grasp of, like, you know, how the, everything works together, so it actually is a pretty tight game if you think about it. And one of the things that gives it, like, you know, bad marks on this game is, of course, the soundtrack because it is not like the rest of the Mega Man, like, you know, music, you know, it doesn't, like, have those harmonies and all the, like, structure that, you know, that 2 brought in and that, you know, 3 built on and then 4 had that going on and just a little darker tone. This one is just doing its own thing, really jazzy, kind of, like, almost, almost jazz fusion? No, I don't know how to explain it, but I like it. So much so that I could, if I really put myself to it, could beatbox the whole soundtrack, you know, one loop each, straight through without stopping, you know. I have, I've kind of done it to, for, to, for myself, haven't really done it with uh, in front of anybody, I haven't recorded myself doing it, but if I really, like I said, if I really put myself to it and, you know, just kind of practice it, I could probably just do a whole run of it. But there is one in particular that I really enjoy doing, which is Gravity Man's theme, but I did present that one um, back on episode four, the Overlooked Remix one, which is the remix done by Tom Appella, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Tom Miller, who I've actually confirmed that is who that is, Tom Miller, who actually did a few uh, Game Boy Advance soundtracks and might have to bring some of his music on in the future. But the second one behind that is Stone Man's theme. You know, this one's just got a lot of interesting things going on because like it has like the main melody going on, has like that high-pitched kind of square wave stuff going on. The bass is nice and funky and then the second half it brings back those harmonizations I was talking about that Mega Man music is so known for. And so when I beatbox this one, um, you know, I definitely kind of cut out that high pitch, like the high pitch um, kind of like doodling's going on and stick with the melody, can get a little bit of the bass line, the percussion, I kind of don't really shuffle as much. You know, it's just how my brain just kind of automatically said, okay, this is how it's going to work. If you want to just do it straight shot, this is how it works. If you want to add those little flourishes and extra bits back in there, you really got to think about it. You know, I don't really have a better way to explain it. Though it's a totally different story if I'm just going off the very top of my head, you know, not worried about any structure, melodies, or anything, just doing pure, like, you know, percussion. More just using, like, uh, various electronic musics that I've heard in the past, like, as, uh, kind of basses. So, like, you know, drum and bass, a lot of Apex Twin, Square Pusher. I can just get wacky. But now, back to this music. Uh, let me tell you about the composer Mari Yamaguchi. She got her start arranging the music for UN Squadron to the SNES, composed Super Ghouls and Ghost. The Magical Quest starring Mickey Mouse, Mega Man 5, uh, Breath of Fire, Final Fight 2, arranged the music of Street Fighter 2 for the TurboGrafx-16 or PC Engine over there in Japan, and then her final credit, at least as far as video game music goes, was uh, one of the Robot Masters on Mega Man 10. And a little interesting thing of note is that uh, during her time being a composer for Capcom, she was part of the in-house band called Alpha Lila. 
So now we're coming up to a actually a pair of songs that I've had the most experience with performing at you know the open mic I hosted. Um, yeah, so I said two. They're kind of they're pretty much linked. This is Hydro City or Hydrocity if you prefer. Acts one and two from Sonic the Hedgehog three. And yes, this game has a mess of composers tied to it. But uh, these particular tracks I'm going to credit to the Sega Sound team, uh, most particularly Sachio Ogawa by, you know, some of the things I found. Could be Masayuki Nagao. Either way, the music coming up is New Jack Swing as F- was Hydrocity, or Hydro City if you prefer, Acts 1 and 2 from Sonic the Hedgehog 3, composed by the Sega Sound Team, uh, more possibly Sachio Ogawa and or Masayuki Nagao. Hell, could even be that one did Act 1 and the other did Act 2. I don't know. That's a rabbit hole I don't have time to go down right now. One thing I do know, for myself at least, is that these two tracks are like the best example of the uh, two-act theme remix thing within, you know, Sonic 3 and Knuckles. You know, the Angel Island acts, give us an, like, you know, give us our first taste of that because we weren't expecting that. You know, like Angel Island Act 1, we're expecting, okay, this is the music. I like it. This, this is going to go. And then we get to Act 2 and it's just like a total remix of that. And it's like, wah! And then you come up to Hydro City, Hydro City, and, uh, you know, it's just this funky New Jack Swing and, you know, you're expecting uh, like a remix of the second act. You're not expecting something. And then it just like hits you real hard. And then after this, the other act remixes are almost like just kind of like slight patch changes, maybe a little changes to the arrangement, but nothing as drastic as this. You know, then again, I could be blowing dark wind out my rear, but you know, this is my opinion. But you know, these two made such an impact on my little brain that, uh, you know, these became like the most beatbox VGM, like, you know, at, at open mics for me. Mostly because of like this, like, you know, change, you know, act one's nice, slow, groovy, and then the second one just comes up nice, fast, really like just like 
you know, add some differences in there. So it's like, uh, I don't know, it's a really cool challenge. You know, these two are like uh, ones I can get really complex with because I can add in like all the little flourishes that are in there and the weird, just all the weird cool things that are in that. So now to the composers. Um, I did just now take a little time to research this and uh, I was not able to confirm solidly who composed for Act 1. It's between these three, Sachio Ogawa, Soroko Jones, who is part of the Michael Jackson team, and this third one's very speculative, um, you know, just going off a uh, BGMDB form chain that I just dug into. Um, possibly Masanori Hikichi? Now, this one does make a little sense because he did work alongside Masayuki Nagao at Cube, which was a uh, game sound company. It is a game sound company still. So, you know, it's a, very much a possibility because there were few other um, uncredited composers beyond the list of, you know, the Sega sound team and uh, Michael Jackson sound team that were already listed. So now, I was able to confirm that Masayuki Nagao did arrange Act 2, so I will go down the list of things that he has done. Starting off with Battle Golfer Yui, Toki Going Ape Spit, Aihara Manada, uh, Shinobi 3 Return of the Ninja Master, Jurassic Park, Sonic Chaos, Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine, which was basically a reskin of Puyo Puyo, so a lot of that music was arrangements of Puyo Puyo music, uh, Sonic the Hedgehog 3, Sonic Drift, uh, Sonic and Knuckles, Sonic Drift 2, Space Invaders Evolution, and then Rainbow Islands Evolution on the PSP. So, whereas I said these two pair of songs was a nice challenge, like a really cool challenge to learn, you know, figure out for myself, um, there is another song that was much more of a challenge just because of like so many things going on, which I'm actually not going to play for you next. I'm going to save that one for later. Instead, I'm just going to play for you a nice little fun one that has actually has a couple nice memories attached to them. This is It's a Confrontation from Hexion, composed by Yuji Takanuchi, Junya Nakano, and Satoko Miyawaki. was It's a Confrontation from Hexion, composed by Yuji Takanuchi, Junya Nakano, and Satoko Miyawaki. And what this is is an arcade falling blocks puzzle game made by Konami, whereas instead of having the Tetraminos, which are like those little blocks that are in Tetris, 
you have hexagons, which, and so this game is actually a variant based off of Hextris, which itself is a variant off of Tetris. So, you know, it's all the same game in the end. And this is actually one of the first arcade VGM packs I downloaded off of VGM Rips onto Modizer, which is my uh, app that I use to listen to all my VGM files, like .vgm.nsf, .spc, you know, you have it, you name it, it can play it. And you may have noticed that this sounds a little different from most Konami arcade games you've play, probably played or heard, whereas most of them are either FM in the early days or, like, the bombastic sample-based stuff you hear on, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or their other, other beat-em-ups in games. And that is due to the Konami 051649, also known as the Sound Creative Chip, which is a chip cre um, developed by Konami alongside Toshiba for a lot of their MSX games for the MSX, of course, the MSX computer. And it provides five channels of wavetable, and uh, Konami being Konami, created their own just like distinct wavetable sound, and it's just really, really cool sounding. And it's actually, if you remember playing a lot of uh, Konami Game Boy games, some of these waveforms may sound familiar. And, uh, you know, eventually I want to do an episode focused on the MSX and its multiple sound sources. So all the way, you know, back to the AY chip, all the way up to the Mighty Moon sound. But now, some nice little stories connected to the music of this game. So as I said, uh, this is one of the first arcade packs I downloaded on a Modizer, which I had gotten when I first got my iPhone 4, which was back in, like, late 2010. And I've listened to this soundtrack a lot. I mean, I, it's, I don't know, if I'd probably say it's one of my favorites. You know, I really enjoy it. And, uh, so... On my backpacking trip on 2014, I was, of course, listening to this, and um, there was a point where I was in Warsaw, Missouri, of all places, and I was at this time staying with a group of peoples called the Twelve Tribes, who I had met previously back in, um, like, Valley Center near Vista, California, like, you know, down by San Diego, and, uh, you know, that's another, that's a totally different story altogether, but I was staying with these people, and, um, you know, they had a room separated for uh, the Single Brothers, as, as they're called, and uh, one day I was just kind of getting ready to go into work and like help out in the wood shop they have there, had there in Warsaw. And one of the brothers was in there with me and uh, he just kind of heard me beatboxing under my breath this song. Like, you know, I was beatboxing this song and he was like, hey, do you have like a, some kind of radio player on you or something? Because, uh, you know, they didn't really generally have these things around. You know, they weren't down to the level of Amish. You know, they had cell phones and technology and stuff around. They just didn't really, you know, carry on like personal technology stuff. And, uh, yeah, that was just kind of a cool moment to think, like, whoa, I, I tricked this guy. But it happened before, back, way back in high school, when I was first discovering this ability. Um, I was, I think it was, like, English 3, and I was just kind of beatboxing myself while I was writing. And, like, somebody's like, hey, somebody playing music in here? And, uh, you know, I just, uh, no, that, that was me. And, you know, I, I think I kind of just, like, impressed my teacher at that point. So, hey. Now, as for the uh, second little story, that is um, unrelated to beatboxing, but is related to uh, more travels, and that would be in 2015, while I was in Japan, um, I was walking around Shinjuku at night, and um, just happened upon this one game center, I couldn't find it again afterwards, but, you know, I was just checking it out, like, saw this guy just going blazing on popping music, and, um, you know, all the different, like, arcade games going on, and I just find this one that's just kind of hanging out by itself, and it had, like, I can't remember the amount. It was like 20-something thousand games in one. It was just like this arcade cabinet that just had thousands and thousands and thousands of just like random arcade games on it. And so I was just cycling through them. And one of the ones I saw in there was Hexian. And I was like, oh, I got to try this, actually play this. Because I at this point, I was really like really into this soundtrack. So, hey, I popped a, I popped some yen in and uh, played a few rounds and uh, had my fun with that. And then, like I said, I left the place and I couldn't find it again in those like last few weeks I was there. I was like, ugh. I wanted to play that cabinet again, see what else was on there. I might still have the photo of it like in somewhere in like my s s cloud storage or something. I might see if I could find it and post it. 
So now the composer, starting with Yuji Takanuchi, I've already talked about a couple times on the show. Um, just to kind of name off of big ones that he's done. He's done uh, X-Men, Namachuke 68 on the Sharp X68K, um, Metal Gear 2, Solid Snake with a few others, SD Snatcher, um, Ace Combat X, uh, Demon Souls, Dark Souls, and the most recent game being Dragon Quest Keshi Keshi as sound design. Up next, we got Junya Nakano, and he also got started doing X-Men, uh, Asterix, Hexia in this game, Martial Champion, and then he actually made the move over to Squaresoft and was one of the many composers that helped out with uh, Toeball Number 1, Front Mission Gun Hazard, and then he went to work on uh, Front, Hinge, Front Mission Ar Alternative, was one of the few composers on Final Fantasy X, Musashi Samurai Legend, Final Fantasy IV on the DS, um, Final Fantasy IV The After Years, he did all the compositions on that, and the most recent game I could find is Final Fantasy X or X and X2 HD Remaster in 2016. And that finally brings us to Satoko Miyawaki, and he doesn't have much on him, but um, he was part of the original arcade staff for Parodius, had a special thanks in Teenage Mutant Turtles, the Tournament Fighters from 93, so it could either have been the SNES or Mega Drive version. And then as far as audio credits, he's done Aureus, Hexian, Teenage Mutant Turtles, the Tournament Fighters as a voice actor, uh, Gaia Polis, and Fantastic Journey. So now my uh, next track I got for you is uh, kind of in the same league as Mega Man 5 as far as like the soundtrack not being so much cared for, but hey, I really like it. So up next I got Successor of Fate, Just Belmont's Theme from Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, composed by Soshiro Hokai. jam was Successor of Fate, Just Belmont's Theme, from Castlevania Harmony of Dissonance, composed by Soshiro Hokai. 
And so as to my statement as saying that the uh, the soundtrack is not all that well regarded, or wasn't all that well regarded, I'd imagine that's like, you know, some opinions have changed after nearly 20 years, but I can understand it because, um, you know, compared to the game that came out before it, Castlevania Circle of the Moon, which had a, you know, a lot more symphonic sound and the samples were a lot, you know, as clean as they could be on a Game Boy Advance. This one was just purely like using the uh, DMG sound chip with like a little, little bit of assistance of the direct sound with like the percussion and maybe some you know, other samples that were of low quality. And, you know, from what I understand, it's, um, you know, due to using the, you know, kind of more uh, simpler sound, they were able to actually brighten up the uh, the graphics of it. Like, so if you um, look at, you know, look at it compared to Circle of the Moon, it's, um, you know, sprites aren't as big, but they're a lot more brighter and vibrant. So, like, you know, if you had a regular GBA, you know, the handheld, like the fucking oval one, like, you could see it a lot better if you didn't have good light. But one common thing I've seen is that, you know, from people who don't like the sound of it, they like the compositions. But I happen to be one of those folks that happen to like the compositions and the sound of this game. And probably, obviously, uh, my favorite track from this whole entire OST is this theme right here. And I say it's a pretty damn strong start because, like, it's the first song that you hear when you're actually playing the game proper after you're through all the preamble and everything. And this is just so many little things I can name that, like, you know, just kind of draw me to it. It's just like a sense of timing. It's sound like it's composition, of course. Like, you know, it sounds like it's kind of off, but, you know, that's that dissonance in there. And, um, yeah, it's just one of those ones I kind of keep coming back to. And actually, a few weeks ago, uh, Mustin posted the question on Twitter, uh, like, what is your favorite Castlevania song? And I don't couldn't quite kind of name a favorite, but I named one that I keep coming back to, which is this one. And Mustin, if you don't know, is uh, one hell of a musician, a producer for the One-Ups, which is a remix band. They're all tied to OC Remix. And actually, the One-Ups just announced that they're going to be ha releasing their 20th year anniversary vinyl, you know, 20 years of just doing remixes together, this band. And Mustin has been their producer for many years on this, and, uh, you know, he's helping put this all together as well. And they, the trailer they put out for it is uh, pretty ridiculous, so I suggest you go check it out. But yeah, his question just basically reaffirmed the thing, like, this is the one track I keep coming back to, and I beatbox for myself, and, um... But one of the major things I think I can pinpoint to, you know, what keeps coming, bringing me back to this track is, like, actually, like, its main kind of hook, if you would call that. I don't, I don't really know how to explain music stuff, but, um, it's coming up right here. It's the beginning of the track, and it plays halfway through. Yeah, oh yeah, here we go. It's coming up right here. It's, I don't know, it's so damn good. just can't explain it I just love it it's so good and then the best part is that like shortly after this bit it brings it back in with like kind of like this little breakdown like it's coming right here damn you know it's just like keep having like this very specific memory of like when I I remember working at Denny's when I was still in high school and um yeah just like I remember just like thinking about this song for some reason and just cause like that part, that one part, that breakdown part is like, I don't know. It's I, like I said, I just can't explain it. And so Shiro Hokai is the one to thank for giving me one of my perma earworms. Um, he has a pretty small list of things that he's worked on. Um, he got to start doing Nagano Winter Olympics 98 in 1997. Um, Suikoden 2, he did um, event sound effects. And then seems like Castlevania Harmony of Distance was his first um, actual like solo project, and then went on to do Aria of Sorrow, which many other many people's really liked because it brought back that you know symphonic sound that Circle of the Moon had. Um, Nano Breaker, Castlevania Double Pack, Chibi Robo Ziplash, and his final credit I could find being sound effects for Kirby's Extra Epic Yarn in 2019, which actually kind of leads nicely into the next track I got 
set up here for you. It's that one extra challenging song I was talking about while talking about um, Hydro City. Hydrocity. Um, this is Ripple Field 1 from Kirby's Dreamland 3, composed by Jun Ishikawa. Amazingly delightful little song you heard was Ripple Field 1 from Kirby's Dreamland 3, composed by Jun Ishikawa. And this one, um, while at open mic, if I wanted to impress people, this is the one that I pulled out. And it still boggles me as to how, like, my brain figured this one out, because, uh, the best way I can explain it is that, you know, I can, I get the arpeggiations going, um, I can get the melody, I can't sustain the mel- you know, the, the notes, but I get, like, the melody, you know, the out at there, and then the percussion going as well at the same time, and then a little bit of the bass line, I think, like like I said, I kind of get lost in the moment when I do it. And like I said earlier, I did share a video of this on Twitter and Instagram, but um, let me do a little sample of it for you here. I'm going to do this second half of it coming up right here. So it's going to be a little rough, but you know, enjoy. Enjoy. 
Like I said, quick and rough, but you know, you get the idea. Doesn't help that my mouth is pretty dry right now. And I do miss having a whole big ass sound system just to do this to like really blast it out and catch all the nuances and everything. But yeah, whenever I had a little extra pep in my step, I just pull this one out because it was just a fun challenge for my brain. And uh, you know, I kind of improve on it each time. It's like I said, it's been a while since I've done it. So like this and the video I probably did is a little rough. Now, um, Kirby's Dreamland 3 um, is one I actually played at this place called uh, Game Country. It was a uh, game shop in Auburn, which was the town I was living at in the time, pre-2002. Uh, and um, yeah, they had all these TVs set up with different consoles, you know, SNES, Sega Genesis, NES, and, or, yeah, SNES, NES, uh, PlayStation even. But um, yeah, I played Kirby's Dreamland 3 because I remember enjoying Kirby's Dreamland on the NES, like, to death. I played that one just nonstop. And um, yeah, it was... It was okay, like, you know, it's a little slower, um, you know, I really like the visual style, like, it's all kind of like that etchy kind of crayon, almost like how, um, like, you know, Yoshi's Island look, but a lot more like, you know, the, everything was like kind of wiggling around, like it was, you know, how to best put it, but like, yeah, kind of like, you know, it was like almost like being animated, like, you know, even while it was standing still, it was like somebody was kind of flipping through pages animating, like, a little drawing they had done. And the music, you know, like I said earlier, just amazingly delightful, and that is all thanks to Jun Ishikawa. And this guy is, uh, you know, basically the music lead for HAL Laboratories, who is the company that, you know, like, uh, developed Kirby, you know, within Nintendo, or I'm not really sure how that all works. But, let's see, what he has done, starting in 1990, is Space Guard SDF, Adventures of Lolo 3, the new Ghostbusters 2 on, on NES, Hyperzone, Kirby's Dreamland on the Game Boy, Kirby's Adventure on the NES, Alkahest, and then skipping ahead, we have uh, Kirby Dreamland 3, uh, the Crystal Shards on the S64, uh, Kirby's Nightmare in Dreamland on the GBA, uh, Kirby's Squeak Squad on the uh, Nintendo DS, Picross 3D, Kirby's Epic Yarn, uh, Kirby's Return to the Dreamland on the Wii, a lot of Kirby, Box Boy, Box Box Boy, Bye Bye Box Boy, uh, Team Kirby Clash Deluxe, Kirby's Blowout Blast, Kirby's Star Allies, and then lastly, Box Boy plus Box Girl on the Nintendo Switch. And there's a lot more in between all of those, but you know, just kind of a quick rundown because you know, I'd imagine a lot of folks, a lot of VGM heads probably already know what this guy's done. And this brings us to the last track I'm gonna play for you. And um, this is the latest addition to my repertoire, if you would call it. You know, kind of the the um, latest vinyl that got added to the jukebox that is my brain. And it's a mighty doozy of a tune. This is Rude Buster from Deltarune, composed by Toby Fox.
that was Rude Buster from Deltarune, composed by Toby Fox. And that there, folks, is what you call a mighty fine tune, I'll tell you what. And yeah, this one, I'd probably say it's kind of like on the same level as the Hydro City themes. It's just kind of really a fun one to do. Um, yeah, it has a lot of those RPG agents, like in that background kind of going on, like Kirby did, but not as um, intense, because like when I do it, it's not too focused on that bit. It's kind of more, I don't know how to explain it. Been saying that a lot today. And that is the truth, because I still don't know, like, you know, how my head does it, how my brain does it, how my face does it. I have no answers for you. It's just, uh, it just happens, and, you know, I just go with it, and I have fun with it. And what else is pretty fun is this game, Deltarune, both chapters that we have so far. Um, last time I had it on was uh, episode two, the first shop themes episode I brought on Hip Shop, you know, the shop theme that Ruxel Card has for you in the castle of the queen in chapter two, but this is the main battle theme that plays throughout both chapters, and um, yeah, the game itself is um, uh, kind of a breath of fresh air compared to Undertale, because it's um, instead of having to like, you know, worry about all these weird little like random things that happen to like give you all these weird little events that can happen, and you know, playing throughout like, you know, multiple times to get each ending, and then, you know, getting like all the weird little quirks, and getting just that right ratio of random, random like numbers and stuff to be able to see WD Gaster. But Deltarune, you know, both chapters that we have so far are pretty straightforward with a couple, like, you know, branching patch, patches, paths, paths, to a couple of hidden bosses. But other than that, though, it's um, a tight little package of just fun and delight. And, um, you know, at some point we're going to be getting not one, not two, but three chapters all at once. It'll be three, four, and five. So, you know, you know, Toby's working on it, I believe, and um, it's going to be great when it comes out. You know, I'm going to enjoy it. But to be honest, the one thing I don't enjoy is the uh, fandom that's kind of like just spawned around both Undertale and Deltarune. I've talked about this before, and uh, yeah, just if you want to just go down that crazy rabbit hole that Undertale created, um, check out Eyepatch Wolf's video about that. It's really fascinating. And speaking of fascinating, uh, the guy that did the music and event, you know, ultimately created this game, Toby Fox, is a uh, bit of an odd guy he's uh you know started out doing rom hacks of earthbound and you know such other such games and the one that really got him on the map was uh his halloween hack of earthbound which created a whole new narrative and everything and um people are trying to tie that to undertale because of like you know some like you know common things and stuff going on in there but you know that aside you know not only has he worked on undertale and deltarune he has also uh done stuff for a uh, homestuck i think it is i'm not too familiar with that um, he has done music for um, a few of the Pokemon games and actually created some tracks for the newest one um, coming out, uh, Scarlet and uh, Violet. I, that's what it is, Violet. Scarlet and Violet. That's about all I got for you on that. And uh, that's the, we're coming to the end of the episode, getting close to closing time. So, uh, yeah, thank you for listening to me talk about these tracks I love, just like, you know, beatboxing, kind of playing with and stuff. And, um... Yeah, I'm going to try to post more videos of myself doing this on, you know, Instagram, Twitter, um, eventually YouTube. I don't know, but, you know, doing more covers, uh, you know, just kind of like off-the-cuff improv original stuff. And, uh, yeah, just having fun. Just having fun with it. It's going to be fun times. So, um, yeah, I've been your host, Rage Cage. You've been, uh, and this has been VG Emporium. And uh, you can check out VG Emporium on all your favorite podcatchers, such as Spotify, Apple Music, uh, Audible, Amazon Music, Google as well as on Twitter and Instagram and YouTube where I release the videos. It's just like, um, you know, it's just the music and the card I make and stuff. And then you can find myself, Rage Cage, on, you know, Twitter, Instagram, SoundCloud with all my original music. And as for next week's episode, it's going to be a, uh, 
about giant robots, basically. And, um, you know, this one's kind of at the, uh, not quite request, but suggestion of a few folks. Uh, they're uh, podcasters, as well as um, a recent uh, music compo I kind of part, um, took part in in uh, September, which is around giant robot theme. And I'll be playing a few tracks from people that were a part of that as well. So I uh, look forward to that. All right. Have yourself a good day.